Hey everyone, Pat Sweet here, and I wanted to let you know about a guide that I recently wrote for anyone looking for their next engineering job. I know that a lot of people are put in positions where all of a sudden they find themselves looking for work when they didn't necessarily want to. And with COVID-19, a part of our lives right now, that's very much the case for many of you. So I wanted to write this guide to jumpstart your search. I go through a number of different approaches you can take and places you can look for your next job. And like most of my guides, I'm giving it away for free. All you have to do is go to engineeringandleadership.com slash find jobs. That's engineeringandleadership.com slash find jobs for your free guide on where to go with your next job search. For engineers who want to make their next move fast, this is the Engineering and Leadership Podcast. Pat Sweet here, and welcome to episode 13 of the Engineering and Leadership Podcast, the show dedicated to helping engineers thrive. In today's episode, I chat with Saul Rosenbaum of TheEngineeringMentor.com about getting your next job in the midst of a pandemic. Hello, everyone. Pat Sweet here, and thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really, really excited to share with you a conversation that I recently had with Saul Rosenbaum. He's got some excellent advice for anyone looking for a job right now, which frankly could very well be many of you. So I'm really excited to be sharing this advice with you today. Uh, But before we get started, I wanted to touch on something. If you haven't connected with me on LinkedIn already, do it. I'd love to chat with you. I am having an awful lot of fun uh, talking to people who are fans of the show, people who are interested in my work. So please do, uh, do reach out. I'll be putting a link to my profile in the show notes, so stay tuned for that. And if you're not already subscribed to my newsletter, subscribe. I email a newsletter weekly to share exclusive content for subscribers, give you a first crack at special events and resources that I create. So again, I'll share a link with you in the show notes. All you have to do is go to engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 13, and you'll find everything I've mentioned there. Okay, let's turn our attention to the main content for today. Following a bachelor's and then a master's degree in science in mechanical engineering from Columbia University, Saul launched his career in energy engineering. Over the next 18 years, he dedicated himself to energy management and has held various roles both in corporate settings and in independent practice. Over that time, Saul has become a professional engineer licensed in both Maryland and New York, a certified energy manager, and most recently, a Green Globes professional. In 2018, he launched TheEngineeringMentor.com as a way to give back to the engineering community. The blog focuses on networking, education, and soft skills specifically geared toward engineers. Here's my conversation with Saul. Thank you so very, very much for joining me here today. I I really appreciate you making the time. My pleasure. I'm happy to uh, help out where I can. Excellent. Excellent. So I, I brought you on the show today. Uh, we, we connected over LinkedIn and I'd been reading an awful lot of material that you had put out uh, related to uh, helping engineers get work and, and navigate the whole uh, application process, interviews, the whole bit. And I thought that especially with the coronavirus pandemic, a lot of people are struggling with their work situation right now, that it would be an excellent time to, to get some, some advice, some input on, on, on what to do 
during these trying times. So the first thing I wanted to touch base on is what's what's different right now? How how has the pandemic changed the way someone ought to approach looking for work as an engineer? Right. It, it's a very good question because I think that a lot of, especially the engineers that are getting out of engineering school now, they have this mentality of, you know, online applications, and that's really the only mode that they're used to. So in some senses, it doesn't change a whole lot. They still can use that. Um, but if you've been reading my material, you'll see a lot, a lot of my focus is really on kind of going back to the old school method of really having connections, really knowing people. And I find that you really get much better results than you do with online connections because the person really knows you. They really know what you're about and where you can fit into their company. And that's a big problem in this day and age where you don't have networking events. You don't have those natural places where you're bumping into people and meeting them. They definitely have to put more effort forward in the pandemic. But with things like LinkedIn, with other online um, platforms, you definitely can make those connections. You just have to be a little bit more you know, out there and really trying to do it. That's all. Right. So, and in order to build these connections, that, that takes time, right? I, I imagine that one of the things you you preach, or, or rather I've read <laughs> you preach, is you got to make those connections before you are looking for a job. So how would you recommend people start to, to, to reach out to others, especially, especially online? Because that, like you said, is really the, the only way right at the moment to, to start developing relationships without necessarily looking for anything right now? How, how, how does that look? Right. Well, absolutely. First of all, I, I agree 100%. You should be networking now, regardless of whether you're looking for a job. And, you know, I personally compare it to, you know, a hurricane. You always prepare for the hurricane well before it comes. You want to have those supplies. You want to have those things there. You're not going to go running out as the hurricane is uh, bearing down on your city. One of the things that, you know, you got to keep in mind, understanding that, is that if you just go to somebody and say, hey, do, do you have a job for me? You know, do you have any openings? If that person says no, the conversation just ended and you really got nowhere. So the focus should really be on trying to develop a connection, seeing if, if they can offer some general guidance. So you're reaching out to them just for that general help as opposed to for a job specifically. But the truth is, like if somebody comes to me and they say, hey, I'm looking for a job in the energy engineering field, you know, how would you say I would go about it? Have that job. I'll certainly have that in my mind and offer that to them or talk to them about the position. So it doesn't preclude it from being discussed. But if you only ask about the job, you really could be selling yourself uh, short. Right. So what kinds of things might uh, might you advise someone reach out and ask about, if not if not for a job directly? What, what kind of things could you do to, to make that connection? Right. So the first thing I would do is look at the person's profile. If you can find them on Instagram, if you can find them on Facebook, get to know a little bit about the person that you're reaching out to, because you might have some connection there aside from the fact that you're both interested in energy engineering. You're both interested in civil engineering. If you can find those connections, you'll be much farther ahead of the competition. So for example, I've had people who see that I have book recommendations on my websites. If they have enjoyed a similar book, 
they're going to have that connection automatically. It's like sort of that in that they'll have. And the focus doesn't have to be on just technical items. Obviously, I need somebody with a technical expertise. But you have sort of that natural affinity. It's, it's kind of like um, you ever have like a cousin that reaches out after years or maybe even a cousin's kid who you really don't know because they live across the country. But like they call you up and they say, hey, could you help me out? I'm trying to get into engineering. You're going to like help that guy out even though they're sort of a stranger, but because you have that connection as a cousin. So if you can find those connections, you know, obviously relatives is a good one, but anybody who went to the same uh, school as you, that's an instant connection because they can talk about that same professor. You can tell them how the school has changed over the years and they'll kind of reminisce about these things. So if you can get that connection, you know, look for it on their LinkedIn page, actually read, read their profile, see the path that they have gone and then reach out to them. Again, looking for guidance, not specifically looking for a job. Right. I, I think that's great advice. And, and, and actually, I was a little bit distracted as you were speaking because I noticed a Patrick Lencioni book on your bookshelf up, up on the wall there. Yeah. And I, I thought to myself, oh, we have to talk about that at the end of the interview. It's, it's amazing how quickly you can make those connections if you just bother to look. So what, what can you do to maybe attract people to want to connect with you, right? We've, we've talked a little bit about you being active. What, what can you do to make yourself available to people who might be interested in you and, and what you're about? Because it's still, it's still a connection, right? Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it is very difficult for a younger engineer to kind of have people coming towards them. I like to tell people when they're writing their profile on LinkedIn, instead of having just a bullet point list, you know, I can do AutoCAD, I can do Revit, I can do, you know, these, these types of skills, try to make it a story, make it engaging. You know, wh why did you get interested in engineering? Did you have a family member that perhaps was in that field and you got excited by it? What, what was your path to this point? And you could also talk about, you know, how perhaps maybe an internship or a job changed your way of looking at things. It really humanizes you. It makes you a little bit different and stand out because I can look online and find, you know, 5,000 people who have a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering or interested in, in ener the energy engineering world. But what makes you different? And the other thing, you have to avoid using like jargon and like a lot of those words, like, you know, I'm a go-getter. Well, nobody's going to write, you know, hey, I'm, I'm sort of lazy, but, you know, whatever. I want to make money. No, nobody's going to write that. So it, it sort of it becomes a little meaningless when they just write, I'm a go-getter. You can say you enjoy challenges and then give an example, but don't just use the words. They become a little meaningless. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know I've been on the receiving end of people explaining that they're go-getters and that they're ambitious. And, and I want, as an interviewer, to know more. And if you don't have anything at the ready to say, here's an example of this, or here's something I'm interested in, that falls real flat really quick. Uh, and it's hard. It, it's, it's damaging to your credibility in a way. Right. No, absolutely. And I think the other one that a lot of people talk about, they're like, I'm really goal driven. You're like, that's really cool. So, you know, what, 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 what goals do you have? And you, like, blank. Like, you just said you were goal-driven. I'm just sort of following up on you, but your statement, you know, you have to have something there. 
And the other, you know, it's funny when you talk about, you know, what goals you have, you're a go-getter, things like that. As the interviewer, you don't really care what they say. You're just, you're following up on what they said. You're like, okay, any goal would have been good there. Any way in which you showed that initiative would have been a good answer. The specifics of it don't matter, but if they don't have that, you know, they miss, sort of missed that opportunity. Absolutely. So, so let's talk a little bit about um, the whole interview process, right? I think, I think there's a lot, a lot out there with respect to, you know, what constitutes a, a, a good resume, a good cover letter. Um, a lot of the engineers that I've coached and managed over the years have a real hard time with the interview, though. Is, is, is there anything you, you commonly see in terms of, like, repeated mistakes or issues or, or poor preparation? What, what's the one thing or two things you would say, like, please, like, stop doing that? Right. Well, I think that, you know, for starters, talk to some people who have recently graduated in your field and find out some of the common questions and prep your answers. You know, if you kind of go through those answers in your mind and have stories to back it up, you know, the worst thing for an interviewer or for an interviewee, I should say, you know, you walk out of that interview and you're like, oh, I should have shared that story. I should have shared the time where, you know, X, Y, and Z happened that backed up a certain skill. So if you have these things in your mind, you're more apt to share them. And I think it also helps somebody be a little less nervous because really, your, your nerves that get you, it's the uncertainty. You don't know where this is going to go. You don't know how you're going to come off. If you can you know, prep some of that beforehand, that'll really help you out. The other thing I think people need to recognize is that everybody who's going for the same job as you, they're all going to be a little bit nervous. That's okay. That's normal. Not, you know, not a big deal. Just tr- try to be yourself and let them see, you know, let them see your personality because your technical skills obviously matter, but they also want to see how you would work with a team and what kind of person you are individually. So if they see some personality, they see that, you know, you get excited about certain projects, you talk about how you like working with other people and give examples that can really go, you know, go the distance and really help you out. Absolutely. I I would double down on that really, really hard is one of the things that I look for when I'm hiring is how excited would I be for you to be on the team with me, right? How excited would I be to show up to work and interact with you for eight, nine, 10 hours a day? That's, that, that's hugely important. Right. Um, okay. So let, let's say, let's say uh, you have an interview, right? What do you do after the interview? Is it, is there anything you can do to, 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 to follow up, to try and lock in the deal, so to speak? What would you, what would you recommend? Right. Well, certainly, I would send an email within a day or two, like absolutely. Now, the key with the email is not just to say, hey, thanks, I'm really interested in that job. The key is to also bring back up specific points that you spoke about to show that, you know, A, you were listening. It was actually a conversation between the two people there in the room. But also to say once again, hey, you know, you mentioned X, Y, and Z, and here's you know, where I think I can fit in that. I'm really excited about this opportunity. You can also use this as an opportunity to, to kind of bring up items that you may have forgotten in the interview. That works well. The one thing also that a lot of people get stuck in is they send these emails or they send these letters to the HR rep. 
the HR rep may be sort of the person who's handling the process, but they're not the person who's making the decision. So you really want to make sure you're sending this to the actual hiring manager, the, the manager who you're probably going to work under them or on their team. They know what they need for the job. So it's really important to reach out. thing that has come up a lot with regard to this, a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of candidates get ghosted. And they're like, I haven't heard back from anybody. At what point can I reach out again? And I tell, listen, if you haven't heard by the next week, send them another message. There have been many times where the HR rep accidentally sent a message to you know the wrong email address, or they had the wrong phone number, you know, or they just accidentally put something to the side. Don't leave it to chance or their accidental uh, you know oversight to miss this job. So definitely follow up again in another week if you haven't heard. I would say if you still haven't heard, <laughs> I guess you can follow up again another three weeks. But at some point, you have to realize that unfortunately, you're probably not getting the job if you haven't heard back in more than four weeks. That's pretty definite. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, you have to remember too, as a candidate that someone is looking to hire people onto their team, likely because they're swamped. They're really busy folks. Um, yeah. So re- reaching out and touching base and being present, I-, I think, I think that's all phenomenal advice. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and, and talk a bit about how do you understand the kinds of, of roles and the kinds of companies that you might want to target in the first place, right? I know a lot of engineers, especially early in their career, are happy just for a job, a paycheck. They want to deal with their student loans and move on with life. And certainly that was where I was when I came out of engineering school. And in retrospect, I'm a little bit disappointed in myself that I wasn't more thoughtful about my approach because it's it's an important any any time in your career where you're looking for a job is an important inflection point. So, what would you recommend, particularly to, to younger engineers, in terms of being thoughtful, being more intentional about about their job search? Right. Well, I think I'm going to start with one of your points there about people taking any job or anything. I don't want to minimize that because obviously we're in a economic issue, economic uh, you know, downturn. So let's assume it's a little bit more of an ideal situation. You're not worried about paying your rent. You do have a little bit of flexibility. If you do need to take a job, of course, take it. But if you have the options, a few things to try. First of all, better for you. Some people love bigger companies. They like the stability. They like the types of projects that a bigger company can offer. Other people prefer a smaller company because they want sort of that more homey feel and they want to have more access to clients. So kind of understanding just some of those general variables, you know, what works for you. Obviously, region is a big issue. You know, when I was in engineering school, one of the things I was thinking about was roller coaster design. Now, I don't know if that's changed or not since then, but at the time it was Florida California, and I believe it was Tennessee for some unknown reason. And I had no interest in moving to any of those cities. And so that kind of just got pushed to the wayside. I'm like, okay, I'm not uh, going to go through with that part of the field. So once you have just these general things available to you, I think it's really important to talk to engineers who have been out, you know, five, ten, five years, 10 years. D- don't go beyond that because now you're talking about people who are 
significantly beyond where you are. And they're not going to remember all those little details, the things they did like, the things they didn't like. And just talk to them about their daily job. What you have in your mind of what a mechanical engineer does every day is really broad because it really depends on what field they're working in. You know, for example, for me, one of the things I loved about my first job out of engineering school was that I got out into the field and I would be climbing through mechanical rooms one day. And the next day I would be back in the office doing some calculations, doing the reports. And it really made it come alive to me. I loved it. I was involved in those projects from you know, that initial walkthrough all the way through construction and commissioning. For me, that was really important. It really let me see the entire project. There are other people who are totally fine working on one really specific area, and they have no problem becoming an absolute expert in that area, sitting in front of a computer every single day, and they love it. So there's no one-size-fits-all, and I think it's very important to reach out to those engineers who are in the field and talk to them about their daily work and really see you know, what it entails. Yeah, I think I think that's great advice. Again, and I, I think a theme has emerged through our conversation here is talk to people like r- real life people. <laughs> Googling <laughs> is great, but there's nothing quite like actually actually linking up with with someone and and asking those questions. And and in some ways, you know, th- this conversation that we're having right now was honestly really pretty straightforward to set up. You don't need to lean on. Uh, conferences and events and that kind of thing, which, as we've discussed, are not really happening now anyway. So uh, I, I think I think this is all excellent. Yeah, I think one of the things that's also really good, conferences are good. Once you're in your career, conferences are a great way to network and really develop your skills, have some more continuing education. One of the things that can really be helpful, obviously, when in-person things return, is the individual chapters of your engineering society. Not, you know, they all have their national conventions and they all have their big annual thing, but it's the local events that they have. You know, some of them have, you know, a lunch and learn. Some of them will have an event one evening. That's where you'll meet people in all stages of their career who lit, you know, they're, they're working in the field that you want to enter. They're also living in the area that you want to be. Yeah, that, that, that's that's great advice. That's great advice. There are people out there locally who want to connect with you, yeah. right? You, you just, uh, honestly, you just have to show up. Um, l- listen, this has been a, a lot of fun, Saul. Uh, I, I wanted to ask two two more questions before we kind of wrap up. The first is, uh, is there is there any other advice you would give to job seekers right now in, in kind of the, the throes of, of the pandemic that maybe in your, in your experience, in your practice, people aren't uh, catching on to any, you know, any, any key nuggets that you'd want to leave people with? Yeah, I think that a lot of people, when, you know, they hear networking, they start to think, okay, let me go into LinkedIn, they type in the type of job they want, and that's who they connect with. But I think that you really need to have a really a mind shift, just open up, open up the book, anybody could be a good connection. You know, I had one person who I connected with who was a secretary at a church, just happened to meet her, but her husband was engineering. So you never know what their connections are. And additionally, every engineering firm has an accountant. Every engineering firm has a receptionist. Every engineering firm has somebody in finance. So while the people you meet may not specifically be the ones who could hire you, 
they can certainly help make that connection. So definitely be open to that possibility. That's great. That's that's really awesome advice. Thank you for that. Um, Saul, if people want to reach out to you, learn more about you and your work, um, what, where's the, where's the best place for them to go? So the best place really is LinkedIn. I'm very active on there. You can search for uh, Saul Rosenbaum PE, certainly find me there. They can also check out my website, which is dedicated towards my mentoring work. And that's theengineeringmentor.com. That's fantastic. And, and fantastic resources. I'll, I'll, I'll absolutely vouch for uh for for what you post on on linkedin and the website's great too so uh once again saul thank you so much for making the time today this is a a a real pleasure my pleasure i appreciate you uh having me on and um feel free to reach out if i can uh be a further service to your uh client base you bet thanks all right that again was my conversation with saul rosenbaum very, very good advice. Thank you so much, Saul, for joining me on the podcast. Again, some excellent advice that you've shared with the community here. If you'd like to learn more about Saul or check out his work, again, you can go to theengineeringmentor.com or you can find the link to that site or his LinkedIn profile, both in my show notes. Let's turn now to the engineering and leadership mailbag. This is the part of the show where I read your mail, your comments, tweets, and messages, and answer your questions. I promise to read everything you send me, and I promise to share my favorites right here on the podcast. First and foremost, thanks to everybody who wrote me on LinkedIn to suggest different ideas for my upcoming webinar series. There were a ton of really, really good ideas, really diverse ideas too, so I really appreciate that, and you can absolutely expect to see some of your ideas implemented in upcoming free webinars, so do stay tuned for that. Paul wrote to say he recently discovered the podcast and to share that he had recently found new work after losing his job due to COVID-related budget cuts. So, Paul, welcome to the engineering and leadership community, and congratulations on the new gig. That's really, really exciting news. It's really great to hear that uh, despite despite kind of a bad turn, you were able to, uh, to, to turn things around. So, uh, excellent work there. Uh, again, welcome. And one more note, maybe, maybe more of a personal note. Congratulations to Jeff Perry of morethan-engineering.com. He and his wife recently welcomed a third little person into their lives back on uh, August 28th, so that's wonderful news. Jeff, as you already know, is a huge friend of the show and was actually my very first interview back in episode 11. You can check that out at engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 11. And if you like this show, I definitely recommend Jeff's work as well. So you can check out his work, as I mentioned, at morethan-engineering.com. So again, congratulations, Jeff. This week, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Rather than ask a specific question of the week, I'd like to give you the opportunity to have your voice heard on the show. So here's what we're going to do. If you've got any thoughts on any of the advice that was given on the show, anything that you really, really liked, anything maybe that you didn't like, I'd love to hear about it. And I'd love to hear your thoughts here on the podcast. So I've set up kind of a voicemail system through my website. All you have to do is go to engineeringandleadership.com slash contact. 
And close to the top of that page, there will be a button for you to leave a voicemail, either through your computer mic or your phone. So again, do check that out, engineeringandleadership.com slash contact. And let me know what you think. And for those who do submit voicemail messages and they're thoughtful and and clean, <laughs> we don't we don't want cursing here on the show. Um, I, I would absolutely love to put it up uh, to put it up in the next podcast. So again, let me know what you think. Engineeringandleadership.com/contact. That, my friends, is all the time we have for the show today. Again, don't forget to grab your copy of Where to Find Engineering Jobs at engineeringandleadership.com slash find jobs. And if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to it. Just click the subscribe button and that way you'll automatically get the each subsequent episode. And I try to release episodes weekly. So that's the best way to stay tuned with the show and keep up with what's going on. And uh, it would also be great if you could leave an honest review using whatever podcatcher that you use. Reviews really do help me to make the show better and help other people find the show as well. So again, please leave a review. That'd be a big help. If you want to read what you just heard, go to engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 13. There, again, you will find the main content, all the links I mentioned, resources, and you can even download the transcript. Until next time, this is Pat Sweet reminding you that if you're going to be anything, be excellent. You've been listening to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast with Pat Sweet. If you'd like to learn more, go to engineeringandleadership.com where you'll find more free articles, podcasts, and downloads to help engineers thrive. That's engineeringandleadership.com. Engineering and Leadership.